It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. We want you to challenge us for the best deal on a new Renault or Dacia in 2020. You can now inquire at blackstonemotors.ie. You're very welcome to the final late lunch of January. The final late lunch of January. And I know an awful lot of people are very happy today because it is the final day of the month. And I know it's been a huge long month and people haven't been paid and... The pain is over, thank God. Bill's coming in, but you can look after them after the day. Welcome to the show. Lots of chat to come over the next couple of hours. Liam Blanche is with us. Of course, we are previewing the weekend in sport. And we have Kira Burke, Betty Clark and Karen Devine, women with opinions from two to three. And my, have we a lot to get through this afternoon. But first today, can I say I'm probably more nervous than I've ever been on this show for a long time? Because you see, I'll tell you why. I'm surrounded by world-class archers. Their bows and their arrows, all the arrows, and I'm a little bit af- afraid to move anywhere, to be honest with you. But before, other oh, lovely people, before they head off to Las Vegas next week, to the largest and most prestigious archery tournament in the world, I'm delighted to welcome members of Cucullin Archers. Joining me this afternoon on the show are Anne-Marie Murray, Eamon Rogers, Michelle Bowen and Christina Rogers. You're all welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. It's great to have you all with me this afternoon. If I could begin with yourself, blessed art thou amongst women, Eamon. Um, tell us about Cucullin, the, the, the club. How long is it in existence and where did you start? What's the story? Well, Cucullin is going now for about 15 years. We started as a result of a beginner course that was hosted by the Irish Wheelchair Association in RD and it just developed from that into a small club and then we started to compete and within five years we had uh, we went to to a major to to nationals and we actually had a clean sweep of all national titles within five years of being founded. Terrific. We carried on from that, went from strength to strength to a point where we were dominating the Irish team and are now one of the most successful clubs in Ireland and possibly in Europe. Terrific. How many members do you have? Currently, we have 40 active competing members and approximately 60 on our books in total, including our social archers. You know, you'd never, you know, in the world of sport, and I love my sport and my origins are sport as well, you'd never, like, realise that there are that many people involved in this sport. And and again, where you mentioned you're RD into Blackrock and Dundalk, where else? Yes, we have a, we train on a Saturday in RD, we train on a Wednesday evening in Blackrock. We also are fortunate in that one of our members has a small farm in Annalitton in Monaghan, and we also train there. Okay. Now, that's a restricted training area for 
are more experienced members. Mm. And it's indoors and outdoors? Indoors and Both. outdoors, yes. Um, <coughs> uh, indoors we shoot 18 metres or in, the, in Las Vegas because it's the US it's 20 yards which I believe is 18 metres and 28 centimetres um, <laughs> Is that 28 centimetres vital? Yes every, <laughs> When you're dealing with a shooting sport every millimetre counts <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure it does and, and outdoors what distance would you shoot on um, an outdoor range? Men will shoot out as far as 90 metres and women will shoot out to 70 They are Big big distances, aren't well, they? Yes, it's a, it's the length of a it's the length of yeah. a standard soccer field. <laughs> now think about that, folks. We can a lot of people can understand that. Then what you're talking about the length of a soccer field and the ten ring that we're shooting for is approximately the size of an apple. <laughs> <laughs> and there, I thought hitting a wicket in cricket was different. <laughs> You live and learn every day. Let me bring into the conversation. Wearing her beautiful green Irish international shirt, Anne-Marie Murray is with us. You're welcome to the show, Anne-Marie. Thanks, Jerry. It's nice to be here. Will you talk to me about the bows? Because I'm going to come to Michelle and Christine in a few moments. Michelle, we have to thank her. She's been out there in reception assembling this bow. Tell us about the different types of bows. Okay, when you start archery, you generally start... um, on the bow that I shoot, which is a bear bow. It's basically an Olympic recurve bow. If you've watched the Olympics, it's the only bow that's used in it. Um, So an Olympic bow has rods for weights and balance. It has sights to help you pinpoint the centre of the target. Um, It has a little clicker that tells you your arrow is ready to go. Um, But the bear bow has nothing on it. It's literally the riser, the limbs, the string okay. and you and your arrow. Okay, so that's that's what you start. Uh, yeah. That's the basic one. What When you step up from that, what's next? Well, it's generally you would move on to recurve or you could choose to go to compound, which is the technical, very technical bow hunter in America, they call it. It's got cams on it like a pulley system. Yes. So instead of, for example, me and Michelle, Michelle might be pulling... Uh, a weight of 30 odd pound mm. Eamon can pull almost up to 60 pound but when you're halfway there the cams kick in and you're only holding maybe 5 or 10 pounds yeah so it steps down yeah yeah it steps down yeah. for you too but it's better if you're you've got bad back or something okay and those two you mentioned a compound was the other one what's the yeah. one in the middle uh, Olympic recurve and have any of those you know I often watch it and you see people with the sights on it mm-hmm. they're looking through have they sights on they them they do yes. have sights the yeah. bear one the first one is the sights the bear bow has no, no sights I see that that's what we used to do when we were kids we used to yeah. bend exactly. a Nash exactly. a Nash stick did any <laughs> ever do that bend a stick when you were children absolutely yeah. no. well, we did. <laughs> those out there who played cowboys and Indians oh god I'm in ancient history <laughs> But um, one of the other outdoor shoots that we do, um, we do field shoots where you're shooting at a target at different distances, but you're in a woodland setting. So um, it can be very distracting to your mind. What might look like 30 metres away could be 40 metres away because the light is dappling through the trees. Yes. But how much fun can you get to go out in a group of four on a weekend and shoot what I'll be shot for saying pointy sticks <laughs> yes. at a target or at rubber animals. There you are. And, and me putting myself down and me mates to say we weren't unsophisticated. Yeah. We were back no, then. We're no. still doing it. <laughs> there you go. Even though you're talking and listening to the professionals today. So that's one, two, three. When we were at reception, Eamon was telling me about then 
uh, bows with wheels on them or that. What, yeah, what that's, are they? that's the compound bow. That is the compound. And that's what takes okay, the poundage down. Okay, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Let's bring Michelle Bowen. Michelle, I'm thank you so much for joining <laughs> us on the show today. It's great to have you with us. Thank you. And thank you for bringing your bow in. And we have lovely pictures. If you want to check out our social media, you'll see the guys there and Michelle's bow. Tell us about you and when you took up this sport. Um, I basically took up the sport in 2013. Um, and basically I started out from there after, um, you know, it was after the 2012 Olympics. Um, I, I, I wanted to move from one area in my life to another area where I wanted to do competitive sports. And the age I was at the time, I knew I couldn't do the sport that I was doing. Like, i.e. I was doing boxing and kickboxing at okay. the time. So, um, so basically I remember after the 2012 Olympics I was looking up to see what sports were available for my age group and basically uh, I looked at the, the sport and because I was in the Navy Reserves I had background shooting and combined that with archery it was like okay you, you're, you have targets you, you have uh, equipment to aim at the target and that's basically how it came about with mm. the archery with myself so. and obviously you talked to it like a duck to water um, yes. <laughs> yeah, once I saw a target and once I had equipment, I was able to aim and Away go Away we it. go. Yeah. yeah. Did it take you long, like, to hone your skills and become yeah. decent at it? Does it take time? Yes. Yeah, so like, uh, when you first start out, you do a beginner's course um, and that's between six to eight weeks. Mm. And then you make your decision whether you want to continue or not. And I knew I wanted to continue because I wanted to do the competitive sports. Mm. So um, so basically I progressed then uh, onto recurve with the sights, um, the, the the whole whistles, you know, it's not yes. like, uh, like Amory's uh, 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 bow. But, um, but I went for the, the full hug because I wanted to do the Olympics. Okay. So that's where I was coming from than anything else. And you've been very successful. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, kind of. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, come in, yeah. come in. Eamon wants to come in here. Go on, Eamon. Yeah. Well, Michelle has been quite modest. Uh, I, I can see. <laughs> Michelle, like everyone else around you here, holds multiple Irish records. In yes. fact, Michelle just shot two Irish records as did Smiler last weekend. <laughs> um, so, unfortunately, like most sports. There is a lot of modesty in the room. I don't suffer from that. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? I could actually sense that as, as you answered me there as well. But you are really good at this and you all are. Let me bring in our fourth guest today, Christina Rogers. I take you, I take you, you have something, Christina, to do with this villa here, have you? <laughs> I might do. You never know. Um, yes, yes. He is, he is my partner. Yes. Um, but in one of the great things um, about archery, and particularly Kuhalan, um that I have found is the friends you make, the social aspect of it. And we try to keep everything uh, quite separate. So you'd be surprised. It's like with uh, parents and their children. Uh, parents don't coach their own children. Um, they're separated in that regard. Um, it gives a better coaching experience and it creates a great club environment that everybody is just themselves and can socialise, can can just really be themselves. I think other sports could take a lesson for that because at times, <laughs> I know from experience, pa- parents, and they're great and you need parent support, but at times it can be an issue uh, w- within clubs. And, and I hear what you're saying and I like that uh, about archery. Tell us about you. How long are you uh, with these uh, um, arrows? <laughs> um, I started archery about four years ago. So I'm, you're a relative newcomer? I'm a relative newcomer, yes. Um, I started on the same bow that Anne-Marie 
um, has kept going with. It's um, I will always say that bare bow is a very difficult discipline. Mm. All of the, the, the bow types are very difficult, but they're also very different um, and they require an awful lot of different skills. Um, I just didn't have um, the skill with bare bow. I didn't have the feel for bare bow. Um, I also have problems with my back. I have health problems. Um, and compound is one way to compound that too um, yes. because of the massive let off. Um, and there's not a great shock when you release on a compound. So what that's what's great about archery is no matter um, maybe if you've got maybe other past sporting injuries, if you've got other injuries, maybe you've fallen or there's something there that you don't have to be so scared looking at these these um, incredibly powerful looking bows that there's always ways we can um, change a bow, we can change styles to suit you and um, it's just very inclusive sport. I mean, I've made some of the best friends, um, I can't tell you, um, in the last four years. They're all sitting here. Most like a lot of them are sitting here. Um, they're brilliant people and I'm so, so blessed. We just... Yeah, yeah so isn't that a lovely yeah, yeah. testament yeah. for the club and the sport and the people as well? And I know what you're getting at there because this is a sport and we're going to talk about this in a few moments. have to take a short break. That People uh, in wheelchairs, people deaf, if you, if you, yeah. if you have no hearing, yes, yes. Uh, autism, you know, there's been a big row about autism, sight, if you struggle yeah. with sight, all of that type of thing. Archery is a possibility for you. Aren't they fantastic? They've dropped into late lunch in LMFM just before they whiz off to Vegas to the biggest event in the world and we have them for a few more minutes with us stay with us it's archery on late lunch this afternoon and I have to say it's a sport and you know me for sport and my background but this is a first for me today Anne-Marie Murray Eamon Rogers Michelle Bohan and Christina Rogers are here from Cucullin Archers Uh, Eamon can I come back to yourself for a moment and uh, ask you this what what skills do you need I'm just thinking good eyesight uh Excellent coordination, steadiness of hand. Are they all essential? You would think so, but actually no. I have coached people who are completely blind. One particular gentleman who has no eyes. He has two glass eyes. There are ways that he can shoot. There is a man called Matt Stutzman in the United States who has no arms. He has a social media profile called The Armless Archer. He is a genuinely good archer on the able-bodied circuit. In our sport, there is no... Well, there is a para-element, but that only comes into effect around the time of the Paralympic Games. The rest of the time, people compete on a level playing field. People are listening today and say, hold on a minute, somebody who has no sight, who has no arms, how can they be archers? Everything can be adapted. Everything can be made within the rules that allow for a completely level playing field. There is no advantage to a wheelchair archer in seated over one of us who is standing. It is a genuinely level playing field. It is not unusual, and we will have it in Las Vegas, there will be several archers competing at the World Cup finals who will be in wheelchairs representing at a senior able-bodied level. There is no differentiation needed in our sport. And for able-bodied people, just coming back to that again, someone might say, I am not great coordination-wise, or I... This can be worked on, can it? Absolutely. We have a hand going up here on the right. Yes, there's a hand going up here. Yes. Christina, yes? Yes, very much. I mean, I would be... I am the... I, I literally... I would tie 
my like shoelaces the wrong side and trip myself up. I have I had no coordination whatsoever. I I literally I am the most um, <laughs> completely scatterbrained person you can think of. Um, but it installs discipline. That is the thing, and yeah. it installs consistency. Yeah. Um, you do you practice so much. Um, and you do become steadier. It's not a case of, you know, if you don't have the skills, if they're not present, if um, you, you won't have any luck with archery. Yes. Um, the people around you, your coaches, your club, um, they are what makes you the archer that you are. That's great to hear, Eamon. Come on. Yeah. And age is another thing. There yeah. is no block on age. In our club, we have two people in their 70s who in the last three years have won three world titles and a World Cup between them. That's John Keenan and my mother, Deirdre Rogers. Oh, fantastic. So age is no barrier. What age w- would you start? What's the youngest age you really start off at? I will. I am willing to coach children from the age of eight upwards. OK. But not all clubs are. OK, so but, but you will in Coo In Coo we will. But we require, peren- at eight of to ten, we require a parent to take up the yes, sport. Yes, yes. 10 to 12, a parent has to stay with them. Okay, that's interesting. Let me come back to Michelle for a moment. You assembled that lovely bow out in reception there for us a a few moments ago. God, you're a damn hand at getting together because you're under pressure (laughs) and you did it. How much would that bow typically cost that you have there? Um, Well, a beginner's bow would start off between 250 to 350 and then, as I was saying earlier on, that if you decide to you know, progress after the beginner's course, yes. then basically you can adapt each of the uh, different pieces. Yes. You know, uh, you could upgrade them when when required. And yeah. obviously when the finances are there, to be quite honest. You'd be a good you know. politician <laughs> as well as being modest. How much does yours cost, that one out um, there? It, uh, it, it, it took a while, but yeah, it's between, overall it's between one and a half thousand to two thousand. So that's a real good bow as it well. It's yes. quality in that. But yeah. Eamon was saying to me earlier, and you mm. want to, I think you want to stress this. Yeah. For anyone listening who wants to take this up, there's no massive financial outlay initially. No. No. The club no. will help you. The club you. will always help. Always okay. help. Yes. Okay. Yes. Isn't that yeah. right, Eamon? Yeah? Yes. The club also provides all the equipment to start with. It's actually a problem for us if people arrive with their own equipment because as you progress very quickly, you will outgrow any equipment you already have. Okay. So we prefer you to wait. Let me come back to the woman with the Irish short on her here today, Anne-Marie Murray. Anne-Marie, tell us about your speciality in terms of distance within the sport. And is it indoors or outdoors or a combination? Um, well, I shoot bare bow, which uh, has only just been recognised by World Archery as now being a thing. Uh, it was generally only used for in the wood settings for um, field and um, 3D, which is shooting rubber animals. But I took it up and um, still with my £250 bow, um, I decided why shouldn't I take on the rest of the recurves? Yes. Because uh, to me, shooting an arrow is shooting an arrow regardless of what's on your bow. Mm. So I actually shot the All-Ireland series with the recurves, with the bare bow. So I was shooting 70 metres with those guys. They had their sights, 
but I was aiming at clouds up to the left of the bus. <laughs> <laughs> and you you have to find your little tricks to make the distance work for you, but it still worked. Yeah, but here's, just as you say that, uh, it was Christina was saying there that at times when you're shooting that real long distance, you could actually go for a cup of tea waiting for <laughs> the arrow to actually hit the target. Yeah, yeah. I take it there is an awful lot of skill in judgment of, you don't aim, I, I take it, especially if you're outdoors, straight at the target. No. Weather conditions and everything come into play. Oh, yeah? absolutely. Um, a little drop of rain will bring your arrows down, especially at a longer distance, like 70 metres. Mm. So um, for them, they're for, forever twiddling, as we call it. <laughs> they're moving they're moving their sights to try and get the arrow. Whereas I don't have anything to twiddle, so I just go, oh, <laughs> the rain is coming down, so I just aim a little Those higher. Uh, <laughs> I think this conversation is a little bit on the edge at the moment. I, I don't I don't know what they're twiddling with in here, but anyway, we're keeping it clean. We're keeping yeah, it we country. Um, but but, uh, but but coming back to you, going to Vegas. Wh- yeah. What disciplines are you taking part in in Vegas? Um, uh, so they are actually having a barebow competition yeah. this time for the first time. It's going to be official. So as far as I'm concerned. I'm going out to shoot arrows the same as I normally would, but for the first time we have world records that we can actually fight to take. So we're all shooting indoor, we're all shooting the same distance, yeah. but we're just up against 4,000 yeah. other athletes. And in all the three disciplines with the different bows, you'll be competing in those as well. Do you know the target, just in case I forget, you know a target, I, I take it the bullseye is worth the centre part 10 and yeah. out it goes and to out the it periphery. Goes, yeah. yes. And how many, in a competition, how many arrows do you fire? Three uh, for indoors yes. and six when you're outdoors. Okay, come on, come per on. End, yeah. Yeah. Per end. How many ends are we there? We shoot a total, uh, for an outdoor tournament, we would shoot 144 arrows. Okay. Now, every time you draw the bow, that's, for me, a 60-pound weight. It's all in imperial measurement because the USA make the equipment. Mm. So we draw 60 pounds of draw weight every time. So that's 60 pounds okay. by 144. Yes. Yeah. Actually, it's quite a strenuous. fair bit of going. It really is. Anyway, look at talking about going. Look where that clock's gone. It's just flown by. I'd love to talk to you more, but I know. Look at you're all on your way to Vegas. This massive world event. May I wish you all and everyone else going, especially from Cullen, all the very best. And I'd love to go and visit you. Is that okay? Can yeah, I do that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and see what it's all about yeah, down the absolutely, road. Absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, bring back the bacon from Vegas for the moment. <laughs> Anne-Marie Murray, Eamon Rogers, Michelle Bohan and Christina Rogers from Cuchullin Archers. Good luck to you and thank you for joining me on the show. Thank you. Thank you very much. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. We want you to smile with the best deals on a new Renault or Dacia in 2020. You can now inquire at blackstonemotors.ie. Late lunch, LMFM Radio, Friday afternoon. And if I was half organised, I'd have me notes here. I have it now. I have to tell you about this before we join our women with opinions who are waiting anxiously to get going on a range of topics today. Let me remind you that Titanic Belfast is the world's largest Titanic visitor experience and since its opening it has become a must-see attraction for all and throughout February they've a fantastic promotion for younger visitors. You see, children go free. It's a great opportunity to enjoy the full interactive Titanic experience. There'll be a special meal deal in Bristol 401 and children receive free Titanic activity pack when the tour is completed. And the team at Titanic Belfast have been in touch with us to give one of you today 
today a chance to win a family pass to the Titanic experience. Here's the question today. How many Oscars did the movie Titanic win at the 1998 Academy Awards? How many Oscars did the movie Titanic win in 1998? It was an equaling record of all time. So what is the number I'm looking for there? 86 658 by WhatsApp or text. Soon as you can with the answer and your name and details. Welcome back to Late Lunch to Kira Burke, Betty Clark, Karen Devine, our women with opinions. It's great to see you all. Great to see you, you too, Jerry. Wasn't it a long month? It oh sure was. It sure was. Do you think all Irish people should just go to the Canaries for the whole month of January? I just think it's that we should in February. Yeah, yeah. come back in February. Like it's a long month. Nobody gets paid. Hey, hey, hey! I'll pull you up there. So then you'd be on here ringing me saying that's a disgrace. Agent Stone's empty. Yeah, no, but that, I'm fine. I'll bring my staff with me. <laughs> like, it's set up over there, like you know. <laughs> you see, you yeah. borrow a radio studio. Yeah. We'll have a chat over there. Yes. We can be. We can work oh, from don't there. Don't leave me. Don't leave no, no, me. No, we can have opinions wherever we are. <laughs> you can, and you do. January and should it. be cancelled, in my opinion. <laughs> please, please look. You, you have to grin and bear it, but it has been the longest with payday. You know, for yeah. the month today at the thirty-first, the very end of it. Anyway, first day of spring tomorrow. And I don't care what Met Aaron or anyone else tells you. It is the first day of spring on the 1st of February. Bridget's Day as well. And the light is getting greater in the evenings, which mm-hmm. is lovely to see. Let's have a chat for uh, the first part today about the impending general election. It's been called since you were with us last. Are you debated out, Karen Devine, at this stage? Or are you still... I have to say, like as a keen political watcher, I'm absolutely fascinated. And I definitely can't call this one. You know, mm. typically in the past, you'd say, oh, well, they're a shoe in or they're it's going to be such a mixed bag this time. I think it's and it, the the actual element of forming a government is going to be really challenging. I think that may be the most intriguing part, actually, after the vote takes place. Um, have you made up your mind? Do you know where your votes are going at this stage? Is it done or can anyone change your mind even with a week to go? Uh, no, it's not that people can change my mind, but I'm very torn between two parties. OK, that's fine. Betty, what about you? Are you done and dusted uh, in your know, head? Yeah, Are I you... can't believe any of them at this point. I really, I feel like get a, get someone like Trump over here and drain the swamp. Do you know the way we're kind of fed up of the same old parties and people and promises over and over and nobody really, after nearly 10 years in government I'm you know not happy and the previous government will left us bankrupt so I'd nearly go with somebody who'd come in and promise me things which somebody is doing some other party you know but remember promises you'll be promised the sun the moon and the stars on your doorsteps from now till the election there's lots of promises it's delivering on promises is the thing isn't it but who can you trust Jerry? like really and truly I mean, the homelessness, I think, is an emergency situation. I truly believe, like, war, where community centres and boarded up housing should be opened. I don't think anybody should be on the streets. Mm-hmm. There's people sleeping in Drogheda now down at the St Mary's Bridge. Um, there's a family there every... If you went down at seven o'clock in the morning, you'd see them still there over in West Street. Like That never happened before. I, You know, I, that's a real crisis Can situation. I read a quote from uh, last Saturday's Irish Times? Jennifer O'Connell, she's in the magazine every week. I read her and I enjoy what she has to say. And last week, I just said I'd keep this, which she 
Dial coming here today in mind and introduce it. She's talking about uh, being in Dublin uh, early in the, in, in the day. And she says, it's not easy to think about any of this, but maybe we should. There are now two Irelands coexisting within a few feet of each other. There's the Ireland that gets up early and goes to the gym, which was her, I think, in this instance. And the Ireland that gets up early because it slept in a doorway. And that builds on what George well, is saying, what I'm saying is, crisis. Yeah, like the, I feel that a lot of the politicians don't use the bus regular, don't lose the Lewis, not in the real world of what it is like to be a normal person trying to manoeuvre through it all and do your shopping and do make ends meet, which a vast majority of people, hardworking people, middle of the road people, mm. and, and then there's the people who have been unlucky or have fallen out of the rental trap. You know, they just can't get rental or they have social issues. Mm. But it's all across the board, Jerry. So you, know? you so think politicians talk the talk but don't walk the walk? Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Kira Burke. Can I just say something on homelessness? Mm. Um, there are many factors why there is so many homeless at the minute. I know that I was an accidental landlord due to the breakup of marriage and that kind of thing. And I had to rent out my house to cover the mortgage, etc. Right. I had a litany of people who had two jobs in the family and wouldn't pay the rent. There was excuses, excuses, excuses every month. One month they, they said, oh, we can't afford the rent this month. Uh, we had to go to Spain to a wedding and we had our daughter's communion. So we had to have a party. So there is an entitlement in this country, I'm sorry to say, of people who have their two holidays a year, their car, their this. And when they have an, there's this entitlement in this country that we all should be provided a house for free. That, you know, there's a cohort of people who think that why should I pay? I'm sure, they're not paying rent. They're getting half. They're getting this. They're getting that. Like I had three tenants who begged me for the house because I wasn't charging a huge. I was just trying. I wanted to just cover the mortgage. Mm. I wasn't charging a huge amount. And I'm sorry, but there is a cohort of people who will not pay, uh, pay rent. Hold that there and that is why landlords are selling houses. I can tell you that now. Well, the only thing I'll say is like 10, 12 years ago, I had a rental company. So I can tell you there was a far more stuff to rent available for people than there is now. Yes, yeah, supply so even, is also. I know what you're saying. There are definitely an element of people who never want to work, never want to get uh, to want to get everything handed to them but just the ordinary average person earning 30,000 a year 25,000 they can't buy a house now Jerry's on on out of the range you might as well say I'm going to buy a house in Mars no just let me finish and, and I mean the same thing a lot of young people out there trying to start out where do they they pay 1500 for 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 maybe a three bedroom tiny little house in Drolla that's huge rent so it's let it's gone out you're right there's a lot of factors but the whole issue that social housing hasn't been built and that rentals rents have been allowed to get out of control and there's a lot of politicians are multi multi-house landlords like so it's very much in in the politicians' interest to, to continue uh, allowing the landlord have the upper hand, and that's where I that's where I disagree with you. And I think the solution actually is somewhere between both of you because I think at a national level, this isn't going to be solved by individuals. It needs to be solved at a national level, and I think government need to roll back on the policy of not building social houses. There will always be people in society who will be earning a certain amount of money and for whom a commercial mortgage at 
300,000 or 350,000 a year is never going to be viable. Mm. We need a proper system of social housing. Government was, local authorities were good at building social Mm. houses. They built good quality social houses and people had security of tenure and they could go to their job and they weren't afraid that they were going to be turfed out by a landlord. We're now spending all the money that should be spent on building proper social housing in housing supports. And in actual fact, that's not good for anybody. If you're somebody where both of you are going out to work and you're still relying on a housing assistance payment to put a roof over your head, that's not good for anybody. That diminishes all of us. So we need to bite the bullet and build proper social houses. So let me just put this caveat and I'll let you back in, Kira. So the government have failed. This government have failed and previous governments. It's the last 25 years. Yes. So the government, government in general have failed us on this housing crisis. Absolutely. Nothing has been built for 10 years and now they're suddenly all building, building, building. And even before it, you have to say, in the boom, there was all social housing. If you go to Dublin and you look at what's being built in the city centre there, it's fancy apartments and it's student accommodation that not a student in this country could afford. There's student accommodation that's being built, is being built to five-star hotel standard. And if you're a family living in... Leitrim or Cavan or Mullingar and you need to send your youngster to college. There is no way you can afford twelve or 1,500 euros a month in rent for this fancy Dan apartment building in Dublin for a student. You need reasonably priced accommodation so the students can go to study. And I also believe that people who are homeless, who are on the streets, should be in um, a sheltered housing type situation. They have their own front door. They have their own, whether it's a one bedroom um, kind of flatlet type place, that they have their place that they have, they can go home, they can spend all day in it if they want, but they have the supports of mental health um, supports, they have um, return alcoholism, to work, return to work and addiction yeah, supports, yeah. left, right and centre. Because these people are leaving um, marriages and homes where, and, and by the way, there are young people who are being kicked out of homes because the families cannot take any more of their, their um, substance behaviour. abuse and their behaviour and stealing from them, etc. So there are people like ending up on the streets because of substance abuse and bad behaviour within families. I mean, families wouldn't kick your brother or sister out if they were behaving themselves no, or whatever. I, no, I understand and I hear what you're saying. So, look, getting back to the point, and that's one big issue and there are a lot of issues. The health issue is another one in this debate as well and more besides. Can I come back to this point about, you know, uh, the choice we have before us? Uh, you have the memory of Fianna Fáil who, you know, were involved in the collapse of the economy and the country who are now vying to come back as the main political party and and looking to form a government you have Fine Gael, uh, uh, and the the minority government with labor force the minority government who came in and had to pick up the pieces we have to say they had to pick up an awful situation but it looks like there is a bit of jadedness you know in terms of of them after nine years what is and, and you know there's not a kick of a ball between Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil let's be honest about it they've one has supported the other in government Is there any alternative? I think what we need to face as individuals and citizens is that politicians are only people. In, re- in real terms, do they actually have any power over what is what decisions, what are things are being done in government departments, what you know, how money is being spent? They, you know, if a politician shows up and promises me things, I think less of them. 
And that's the reality, you know. Mm. I mean, this is our taxpayers' money and they're pro- they're bribing us with our own money. I actually want to hear somebody who is thinking long-term. I want somebody who is going to look at investing in the right places, in supporting children, the elderly and the, the vulnerable in society. I want a politician who's going to be strong enough to stand up to the vested interests. And if we look at our health service... The vested interests are the unions, the pharmaceutical companies, the consultants, the companies who privatise health. You know, I mean, these are all of the different vested interests. The patient is the last person who's considered in the health service. You know, so for me, a politician who would actually tell the truth and not promise me stuff is much more valuable. OK, I want to head to a short break and I will just before we go put a, something into the equation here. And I was talking to somebody who works in the Department of Finance. The Department of Finance actually are the people who understand what is needed to run this country next year, the year after, and the following year. And yet, politicians are calling to doors and on television, in debates, promising the sun, moon and the stars without, you know, really consulting with the people who actually run the country. Because these are the people who run the country, regardless of who the government is. And are unaccountable. Yes. Now, just leave that there for a moment. Let's take a break. If you want to join in the debate, 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text, you can call in on 1850-715-958. Listen to this just come in. Landlords get a lot of stick when they have to put their hard-earned money into investing in property. They pay half of what they get per month in tax. As a landlord myself, I can tell you I would not have a problem renting to half tenants if it was giving a good incentive in terms of tax relief. That's just a comment there from Melissa. Thank you. Keep them coming to us this afternoon. Back to the uh, election and the choice we have before us. Kira, what is the choice? Is it a choice, again, between Tweedledum and Tweedledee or Tweedledum and Tweedledum are uh, the two big parties. Well, just on the whole, um, just on the whole Brexit thing for a start, right? I just, I, that, okay, they're leaving tonight, uh, eleven o'clock p.m. Uh, so, but I feel that uh, a lot of work has been done on that, and a lot of negotiations have been done and have been done well in Europe. That that needs to be completed by the people who have done it, and if they're not elected. We're bringing in a whole new force and it's starting all over again. So that's one of my fears in case that the government doesn't get back in or the current people who are negotiating that don't get back in. But I have to say on that, I, I have to say to you, honestly, but it, that's something that maybe we shouldn't be concerned. I know it's, it's, it's put forward by uh, Fine Gael at the moment because they've been doing the negotiations on that and they've done really well on it. But I think that, honestly, Michal Martin or some of his people could equally do a similar job. That's just... Go on. It's not the politicians doing the negotiations it's the Irish diplomatic Mm. service and they're the ones that regardless of who's in power now I do actually in terms of relationships I do agree with Kira's point you have a very good point there but I think if we were to be I wouldn't be scared about what will happen to Ireland in these Brexit negotiations because it's the diplomatic service looking after this and mm. not and not the politicians Mm. they're they're the front guys just coming back to what you said there you feel that this government have done a decent enough job look I don't think any government gets a long enough term to do strong work in I think it should be a 10 year term for any government because I I, I do believe unless there unless there's something completely and they can be they voted out but if a government and I don't I'm not politically minded with with any either side at the minute because to be honest the two major parties are are pretty much the same and Labour is pretty much the same as well but um, I feel that 
There has been a lot of work done in the last few years, but uh, it's not finished yet. Mm. Just let but, it but, be but finished. Let me, let me say this to you. They have virtually got 10 years. Nine years they've been yeah, in. Yeah, but sure, the Troika came in at the beginning of it and I know. took billions I, I know, away but from they've them. had nine years. Betty, what's your view on this? What, 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 what's your... Come back to the need, choice. I think we need a change, personally. I think we need a bit of okay. hope. Right? We, need, we need not the same people promising the same things. That's why I'm saying to you, someone strong, someone who can maybe sway the government into doing certain things and you'll get that with independence we've seen that in the past and there are a couple of Kerry uh, people uh, who are very uh, strong in that department the Healy Rays Michael Lowry has had his time to have the balance of power independence but I'm going to say this to you about independence and I'll, I'll put this over to you now Karen this is a problem I think and I just want to in- say this to you I think it's not right when somebody does hold the balance of power, be they an independent one or two, be it Kerry, be it Tipperary or whatever, you had Tony Gregory back, mm. you remember he yeah, did the deal with Hottie? Yeah. The country should be governed for the good of all. The Constitution says we cherish all the children of the state, but that doesn't happen. The cute whores who get in there and have the government by the nuts, so to speak, squeeze. Correct. And they benefit that area. Is that right? Well, I think the the reality is that our politicians are elected as legislators, not as grabbers for their constituency. And I think that's a real challenge. You know, we and and realistically, we if we look at the South Louth area, we haven't had anybody in that position to grab for us for forever, really. You know, but I think there is if if I look back to 2011 and think back to the horrors that the country was in at the time, one of the things that... um, the government did at the time was they developed the action plan for jobs and it was it had times against all of the actions and it had uh, people who were responsible for all of the actions and it was a plan designed and developed to create and, and generate jobs in Ireland and it looked at all sectors and how that could be done and if I look at that and I look at what was delivered through that project you would say actually that was a good piece of long-term planning that delivered results. While I may or may not like this government, the Project 2040 plan is very strong. And thats it's the first time in our society that we've seen a 20-year plan for all aspects of society, for health, for infrastructure, for trans- transport, for housing, for all those things. And I think whoever comes into power, I think if there's an element of throwing that project out the window just because it was somebody else's policy, that won't serve us well as a country. We need proper long-term thinking. Uh, and I couldn't agree with you more. And, and, and looking below the surface, not just, you know, what people uh, shout loudest about, but just to come back, just to summarise the three, uh, Kira thinks the government has done quite a good bit of work, didn't get a, a, a long enough time. Betty's up for change. Just to summarise for you, Karen, and what do you feel just to, just to get a feel Confusion, for Jerry, that's what I feel. Okay. Um, I, I do think that the current government have brought stability, but I think they lack compassion and heart. And I think there's a level of, a, of arrogance from being in power for so long. Can I just say one thing about, I mean, Sinn Féin are talking about how they're going to get their taxes. And, you know, they have a great planning uh, uh, spending, uh, spending plan. plan. But where, how, where are they going to get their taxes? They're going to absolutely... Uh, charge the the multinationals and all of the big corporations in Ireland they're going to tax them to the hilt and then where will they go? Poland somewhere cheaper whatever so like then we'll have no jobs so we'll have all these lovely houses and no one to pay for them and nobody nobody, because there'll be no jobs in the place so like 
you know, we can't just keep looking at, you know, oh, well, you know, we're going to tax the rich. And then if you tax the rich, the rich will leave this country. And the rich are providing the jobs in this country. Let's let's not forget about it. So there is two ways to look at this. I mean, I really think that Fine Gael and with the Fianna Fáil support, they have to look at how are they, you know, leaving the, the poor of society behind. And, and they have to start backing them up. And, 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 and ignoring, you know, like I, I come back to the point that, you know, if you have the loudest voice, if you get a ministerial position, the jobs and the money goes and the motorways to that, and, the motorways and <laughs> yeah, everything. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. And no, it's, is it, that it's abuse right of power. In the context of looking after everybody, it's wrong. And I know you can't. Money, if you were to throw it everywhere, it, there's a, a finite amount to go around. And mm. I do understand that. But I think that is an inherent flaw Absolutely. in our now perhaps it's a flaw in every political system in the world mm. but by God in Ireland does it stand out let me read some of the comments coming to us keep them coming we love them 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text um, anyone who believes a political party will honour promises is away with the fairies uh, this can only have a chance of happening if there is an overall majority government once you start off with coalition you have to start compromising Jerry and me well said I thank you another one the political parties won't do anything about high rents as they have too many houses themselves Betty you were saying there you said that a little bit earlier on a lot of people you know in the political sphere and in many aspects of life who are landlords and maybe extensive landlords business people and they they have an interest in it as well let me read this um uh, is that one right in the head to get Trump over here? She might as well go the whole hogs and get Boris and Nigel Farage. Drain the swamp is what I said. <laughs> Nigel Farage as well. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> you see, I feel, uh, look at that government, the, the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing, Jerry. There's nobody talking. It's, if that was a woman running a, bit, a home, there'd be some, I know it's a huge affair running a government. Well, it's a big house. But, you know, the, the, I really feel, you know, that w- one department doesn't talk to the other so there's no coordination in in their decisions and in what they're doing with with the money with as a as a whole so therefore i don't <coughs> feel that you know the health system is one thing the children's hospital is another they do you want me to start and keep going like i mean um you know, there's a, there's a. I read that article myself last week, and I thought she put it down in perfect writing. She there did. really is, and there's two Irelands here. There's people who are working, and people who are, you know, doing their best middle of the road, and then there's another lot of people being left behind, and it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. The mm. gap. And, 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 and one thing I did, I saw the average industrial wage, wage quoted in some of the debates as. 47,000 euro. I'd love that. I mm. wish you yeah, luck. Where it. are they getting yeah. that figure yeah. from? I'll tell you where they're getting it from. From the people who work in the IFSC and yeah. the big mm-hmm. financial mm-hmm. companies and in IT who are being paid telephone numbers. But mm. talk to the... Mm-hmm. I don't have to tell you this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The majority yeah. of people in Ireland. Yeah. And no, they're existing. Not a, not oh, a chance. On, on much, two much, wages, Jerry. Absolutely. Much, mm-hmm. Let's yeah. head to a short break on late launch. Betty Clark, Karen Devine and Kira Burke Women With Opinions. I don't know whether we'll get away from this election the way we're going, but we will. We have more to talk about. But after the break, I am going to move to the subject 
of the violence in the Drogheda and Greater Drogheda area. Stay with us. Let's move on to what's been happening in the Drogheda area in recent times and the horror that we've experienced and the national focus has come on this town. Now, Karen Devine, there's no one more passionate about this place than you. And you are not from the town. I want to say this again, but you've come here and become a huge part of this community. Can I ask you a couple of things? What needs to be done and what's underlying what's manifested itself at the moment? Oh, God, that's a big question. Um, To be done first. To be done first. I think, first and foremost... uh, about about 10 years ago, I worked in the drug treatment centre in Pier Street, which was where the most chronically addicted um, people in Dublin were treated. And I remember there was a child, an adolescent psychiatrist there called Dr. Bobby Smith. And he said, you know, he can walk into a primary school classroom and he can identify which of the kids will end up in his care in years to come. He said, because there are so many children in this country growing up with a poverty of expectation. It's not that they're growing up in poverty. It's a poverty of expectation. They don't see any life. They don't see a life different to what they've grown up in. And therefore, the most natural path in the world is for them to follow in the footsteps of others. And it might be siblings. It might be neighbours. It might be parents. It might be aunts, uncles, whatever. But I know so many of the youth workers in this town who, over the last 10 years, all of the resources have been stripped out of the work that they do, all of the uh, work in terms of intervention, in youth diversion. I mean, the the social care system for young people in this town has been starved of resources and starved of manpower for a decade. And I think this is a huge part of it. Why would you why would you get up and go to work in the morning when you can make money selling drugs? I want to stand up and give you a standing ovation. That's how I feel. I don't know how Betty yeah, or, or Kira she feel. Nailed it. I, I want to stand up and say that because this is the issue on the doorsteps today. Not promises, promises, promises. Investment, action in communities. The other thing I've mentioned recently, tied in with what you're saying, the, 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 the great people who work on the ground. In sporting facilities and everything, look at how it's lagged behind in this neck of the woods and how nothing has come in this direction. Mm-hmm. It's horrendous. Well, I was just talking about this to somebody yesterday. You know, um, I, I was a scout leader up until this year. Um, I had to I had to step back because of work commitments and family commitments, whatever. But the amount of kids that we took off the streets and got in to do a worthwhile programme. Yes. And they learned to cook, they learned to camp, they learned to look after each other, they looked after, to look after community resources, they looked after, you know, and they just nature, etc. The amount of joy that those kids got out of that one programme, and I'm sure they get lots of joy out of football and the GEA are fantastic and whatever, but there has to be a programme, and I'm not talking about just for one group of kids like you know poor poverty stricken kids I think it should be for all kids mm. that they should all be commu- they, all together and not just school it should be outside school nothing to do with the academic programme and I think they should have fantastic paid role models that will show how life can be and you're you're standing side by side by the guy who's in the rich house down the road and the guy and you're all a bit like I know it's a dramatic thing, but remember, there used to be subscription or, you know, they used to go into the army for a year Mm -hmm. in in Germany. What's it called? Conscription. 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 You need your prescription, Jerry. (laughs) 
but didn't take your happy pills today. I, 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 I take that many visits to the chemist. I'm stuck on prescription. But Jerry, it has to be got. Kids have to be got before the age of nine or ten, yeah. because that's when it starts. That's when they start looking at what the other fella has, the phones, the this, the that. Why don't I have that? They're looking at uh, if they can buy, bring a bag of coke down to someone. They're going to get a few quid. That'll go towards my phone, or that'll go to, towards pair runners that my mother can't afford to buy me. And then once you get into that stream, that's how all of this happens. Betty, the other thing is you talk about investment and Karen put it so well about they just stripping out and the yeah. cutbacks in the communities where people are screaming for resources and support. Talk to me about the Gardaí and the garden because this is another area that has, you know, the closure of Garda stations. We were talking about a government doing well on issues pulling back, no recruitment to the Gardaí. Now they're trying to catch up now at this stage. What about that? What about law and order? Well, all I can say is that the the, the the helicopter overhead, somebody said it's 1500 an hour or 1400 I don't know what, right? All I know is it wakes me up at three o'clock in the morning. It's been, you know, it's, it's, it's all over the town and that's very intimidating, mm. I find, and, you know, in the middle of the night especially. But, you see, it's not as simple as poverty, Jerry. That's all I'll say on drugs. You know, it's all great and wonderful and Alison in Wonderland that we just go into poverty-stricken areas and make more community centres and get them to bake cakes and all the rest. Middle of the road, ordinary people go out at the weekend and take cocaine. They drink the bottles of vodka or whatever. They, you know, people are finding it not they're not able to cope with just life as it is uh, as it is so they must escape be it drink or drugs but drugs is one thing say uh, you know so there's an awful lot of cocaine I believe in Drogheda is, is, and in, in Ireland is completely it's a wash with cocaine it's not just in the poverty stricken areas it's your it's maybe your doctor that you've gone to see or it's your solicitor or it's your accountant you know so I, I kind of take um I don't agree with that, that suddenly you can just blame it all on the... Well, on the I'm not no, blaming no, it. I'm just no. saying they're the ones that are carrying the, the drugs. But, yeah, the peop- but there's a yeah, market for it. Market. With the, with the market is driven by the middle classes and the upper classes. Exactly. I bet yeah. you there's a very good example of that. Um, back in, before I moved to Drahad, I worked in the hotel business. And when the various charities were doing big charity balls and charity auctions, the more cocaine that was being snorted at those events, the higher the bids they got and the more money that they raised. And so I know for a fact that you have that situation where, you know, cocaine can be used as a as a kind of a fuel there in that situation. So I'll say so it again. I said it here after the horrific murder of Keen Mulready Woods. If you go out at the weekend and snort cocaine, buy cocaine, buy drugs, recreational drugs, you are fueling this business. You are responsible as well, indirectly, for what's going on. You have blood on your hands. And that's the reality. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And they're talking about this morning, they were talking about putting sniffer dogs into nightclubs and in pubs and whatever and in possible uh, work areas. And then you're targeting the pub owners and the people who are trying to run a business and whatever. Because if people thought that there was a sniffer dog, there'd be no one there, Jerry. Because but that's how that's how busy the place is with cocaine. But the problem is, it's become a, it's become normalised, Jerry. You, you used to go out. Now I sound like an old one, but you used to go out at the weekend and have your drink or your few pints or whatever, and that was your buzz. And now that that the, the cocaine is as normal as that, it's mm. normalised, and that's where I find it. That's oh, what I mm-hmm. think is wrong. Mm. Maybe cannabis. I. I I feel that maybe 
cannabis for your own use if they if they introduce that by legalizing cannabis or for your own use at least you would be um taking that out of the whole legal system that's mm. blocking up the courts mm. and, and i would I, I want to say this as well house building has really started to take off in this neck of the woods again in Eastmead. I was talking to two dads here on the show last Friday in Eastmead. One of them who takes their child out of bed at five in the morning onto a, a train. I get upset about this and I think of it. Trains, planes and automobiles. To leave a child in a crash in the heart of Dublin because there are no childcare facilities where they live in Dunshockland. And we're building houses by the new time in mm. Meath again and in South Loud and all over the North East as well. And poor unfortunates who can't buy those houses. We were talking about it. You mentioned earlier on they can't get a mortgage, they can't rent. But they see a property now in Drogheda or East Meath or over along the, uh, the commuter belt in Meath and they can afford it just about. But is it right that children are pulled out of their beds at Cockrow in the morning to be left in care for 12 hours as their parents work for 12 or well, more uh, hours? Well, is that life in Ireland? As an it? adult, I did that. I did the 20 hours a week commute. That's a month, a year you spend commuting. And I know that I was useless to everybody and everything. I got up, I worked, I came home. That was the existence that I had. I wasn't involved in community. I didn't volunteer with anything. I didn't see family. I didn't see friends. It was an existence and not a life. And so for small children to do that is just morally wrong. It's so tough. And let me tell you, here we are. This house building is going on. Get the houses in, build them. Infrastructure, investment in communities, childcare. There's no... You know this planning and vision and and thought? Jerry, I have have a very strong um, opinion about the government and taxpayers' money, and we'll all pay into it, that one parent should be paid to stay at home. Because... I feel that it has contributed to the mental health of young children in this country, that uh, their parents both have to struggle to go in and out of work, to commute, to come home frustrated, trying to get a dinner, trying to sort out homework, trying to do this, do that. We didn't have the mental health issues in in the seventies, eighties, or as I was a, as a child, until all of the mothers of this country were told, "Get back to work. We need you in the workforce." And now look at the look at the the state of the country and the the mental health issues. And every day I'm hearing there isn't enough resources. Like if we had a, if we had those kids looked after from the beginning and given a loving home and a loving um, safe place to be, they wouldn't have these issues. And where would the money come from for that? I know, but we did tax individualisation, which was a very strategic move on government's part to make the second person in the household leave. In Like when I was growing up, my mum's tax allowance went to my dad, which meant that the tax allowance was there for both of them and they could make the choice whether to be at home with the family or not. Now, because the tax allocation goes to each individual, if you don't get out and work, you don't get the benefit of that. And it's therefore discrimination against people who want to stay at home to rear their children. And I think, you know, I mean, there's so such little margin of error. If you're a family where... You're paying a mortgage, you're paying childcare, which is a second mortgage. Second mortgage yeah. If one of you gets sick, if there's a problem at home, if there's anything at all like that, you are in such a financially difficult position because you're just teetering on the edge all the time. You know, I want to take a break. I'm just thinking when I grew up, my mother was at home 
and my dad worked. He was the worker and we hadn't an awful lot. But you know something? I was just thinking, we were all in the same boat. Mm. Nobody had much more than anybody else. But there was a sense of love and contentment that I I thank God Mm. I was able, like yourself, Karen, to experience. It gives a good, solid grounding in life. And we've lost the plot. And you also had... The woman next door, if your mother had to go yes. off and get her hair done or whatever, or she probably couldn't afford to get her hair done in those days, but if she had to go off to the hospital or something, the lady next door would mind you and you you would treat her like a second mother. And and all of these people in society are missing in to work on community issues too. They used to be the women that used to do the local ICA, they used to do the Meals on Wheels, they used to look after the old man down the road. So do we need to know what I mean? Exactly, it's not just the children that are suffering, it's also like my mum, she was at home with us but she also looked after my grandmother as yes. she was ageing. Yes. My grand st- lived in her own home but so, mum was there all the time. So, so we'll, 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 we'll um, develop an answer to this for you, I promise you, after this short break. Yes, Women With Opinions this afternoon. Betty Clark, Karen Devine and Kira. But God, we're going to have to push uh, a lot of the agenda into the next time round. Let me read some more of your comments. I totally agree with the lady who said we are creating a society of entitlement. My husband died years ago. There was no mortgage protection at the time. There was no insurance policy. I went out and cleaned houses to provide for my six children. There's a huge percentage of people on the housing list from Ireland and from outside Ireland and they're never checked to see what their uh, abilities are to pay. I know there are genuine homeless people uh, but there's a lot of staging going on, says Deirdre in Navin. That's a comment to you this afternoon. Uh, Jerry. I know a particular nightclub in County Mead where drugs are openly available and the Gardaí do nothing about it. Somebody else says alcohol is the most widely abused drug in Ireland but it's legal so there's nothing thought of it. I know alcohol is a problem as well. Let's come back and try and couch a response to this because the only thing we didn't mention in all we've been talking about there and the difficulties for families keeping a roof over their heads having children working it's a nightmare jobs and jobs Karen Devine out to the sticks or if you like to call it sticks it's not that far away out to the areas in Meath where people are commuting from to Drogheda who's been a town that's been totally bypassed for employment uh, for decades now Dundalk has done quite well with jobs. It could do it more. I know it could do it more and it could do it keeping more people there as well working. And other areas, you know, Navin and Kells, mention everywhere around the area. There's not enough being done to pull jobs out to the regions. That's that is very true. I mean, and, and I don't think any government can stand over that. I mean, watching the boom in Dublin city centre and in the periphery around the M50, you'd say, you know, that is where all of Ireland's jobs are. And if you want to work, well, then you're you're going to have to commute there. And it's such a pity. I mean, we see uh, the likes of Meath Enterprise and the Mill and Drogheda and Creative Spark that are enterprise hubs that provide opportunities for people to start their own business and to work among others. And, you know, we have the opportunities. Like, again, we have very good broadband facilities It for the most part in Louth and Meath. There's no reason why people shouldn't be able to work remotely. Um, I mean, I've worked for home, from home for the last nearly 20 years and I consider it, having been a commuter, I consider it the greatest blessing and it's allowed mm. me to be part of the community. Mm. But there needs to be very, very, very concerted efforts from whoever is employed, who is whoever's elected to try and drive job creation Absolutely. for Drogheda. We have, there, there is an, a, an attitude in the area particularly which is 
that there's nothing good happens here. There's, you know, why would you bother? Nobody, you know, there is a kind of a negative attitude. We need to turn that around and we need to make Drogheda a really positive place. And let's not forget the multinational companies, all their research is desk-based first. So if our attitude to the outside world is negative and bad news, that's what they see first and you don't even make a shortlist. Yeah, yeah, understandable as well. Betty? Well, just, I, I, I mean... Down the town there, you know, there's far more parking spots than ever because people are afraid to come into Drahla now. You're talking about businesses coming here. Like, I mean, really, the reputation has gone right down, Jerry. You know, you can get your car parked, you go into coffee shops, they're quite, and the businesses have been a big, badly affected in the last. I've been on the phone to people from Dublin and, oh, God, to help you down there. It's mm. shocking, isn't it? And wasn't it terrible? So, it, it, you know, we've a long way to go to try and get that back up there, Jerry, to ask people to come in and invest. You know, that's another issue. But it definitely, people are afraid now to come into the town mm. at the moment. Mm. And, and yet life goes on normally yeah. every day. I want to say that. Yeah, and people... I just want to say, though, um, like the media have a huge amount to uh, answer for in terms of negative uh, mindset. And uh, and apart from yourself, Jerry, I have to say you're a very positive programme. But um, I find the media, like, I just want to lie down and die sometimes. And I tw- switch over because... I just don't want to be listening to this depressing stuff. You'd swear the world was ending. You know, like there's so much fabulous stuff going on in the world. Yeah. And if you go out and look for it, my God, you can have a great life. Go for a walk and it's, there's a beautiful countryside. Go into town, into the, the town of Drogheda. I did the, the steps walk there last week. There's a load of walks to be done around Drogheda that they've created. Like, go out there and find it, guys. And you can have a fantastic life. And but like, if the might, media you weren't... You might be shot, though, while you're, while you're out. Which? You might be shot when you're out there. No, but <laughs> no. I, I think... Really, we can't, I, I, we I, have to I, up our game. Yes. We have to yeah. be more positive in this world. And like, you know, and we have to look after the kids that are on the streets that are, are working, doing the, these, but get them before they get in there. Get them at nine and ten. They're too, they're too old at twelve. If yeah. I look at the reasons that I was part of the FLA campaign for all of those years to try and bring the FLA to Drogheda, it was because what I see about this town is a town that has everything it needs to be amazing. We just need to have the right attitude. We need to see ourselves differently, look with a positive attitude at things and look at what is possible, not what we don't have, not what somebody didn't mm. do. And that's, I mean, I, that's ultimately what breaks my heart about the town because actually we have everything that we need to be amazing. We just need to believe that and, and behave differently. And the one thing that is needed, and I said it on television last week, is this. Drogheda straddles the boy, north and south, Louth and Meath. And I, again, I say it, administered from Dundalk in the north of Louth and from the heart of Navin, uh, from Navin in the heart of County Meath. And in this catchment area, which includes East Meath, and you know, you talk about out to Leighton and Bellystown, across to the Leek, right round to Tully Allen, up towards Monaster Boys. It's a huge population. Nearly 100,000. It's a natural catchment. It's caught between two stools and it's paying the price for this mm. now, politically. Mm. It needs to be administered by one authority. The city status group have the right premise. Now, it may not be made a city. We understand mm. city status is a big thing. But the whole thinking behind it is right. Abolish the borough council. There's now no more, uh, you know, control. It's it's just, mm. a, a what would you say, nominal or, mm. you know, for yeah. what's there at the Figurehead. moment. Do you not? Would you not agree that that needs to be done oh, absolutely. as priority? Absolutely, one administration. Some, absolutely, you know. I mean, the absence of management in the town is very, very evident. If you walk the streets of the town, it is so evident. Um, I do want to very quickly say, Kira was saying a bit there about the media. 
I think your match in this is Hubert Murphy and the Drogheda Independent. He absolutely every single week finds all of the joy and the positive stories in this town. And while he has to report bad news when it's happening, when you go through those pages every week and you see what the community are doing, what the arts groups are doing, what what the amazing people of this town are doing, it actually makes your heart soar. So, you know, we do have so much, but we need proper leadership political leadership and we need proper local government. That's been totally absent for decades. Yeah, and can I just say, like, for all the commuters that work in Dublin from the Loud Meath area, like, all of those businesses who are paying rates, they're all in Dublin and Dublin are getting all that funding. So per capita, we should be getting a proportion of that for all the people that work in those places. <laughs> we should be getting the tax from them. Yeah, oh my God, that's a, an extension of the argument. But I see what you're saying. I see if you were to take it to its logical conclusion. Mm. But finally, just before we finish, we have just over a minute or so to go. Um, the family, the family unit, you know, and it's made up of multifaceted. There are mums and dads and partners and uh, two ladies, two gentlemen. You know, there's different family units that the Ireland of today needs support. It needs more support. I think that's a basic feeling that's coming from our, our discussion today. Well, Jerry, when I see the uh, waiting lists and the and, and the trolleys and all of the older people that people are given out about their granny and their mother and left on a trolley 85 years of age, these people are bringing the, because they can't look after them because they have to go to work tomorrow. Mm. So they have no way of bringing them and having them at home because they have to go and pay the bills, pay the mortgage, whatever. So if the mother or the father was paid to be at home, that would be one, one another person. element that could be Looked helped after. by somebody. Absolutely. Yes. It's support yeah. for society. Yeah. It's yeah. supporting society and placing a value on that support. Mm. And when we don't support society, we all pay for it. Let's leave it at that. It's been a, a fascinating conversation for the last hour. It's just flown by. And look at look at the agenda. We have to just uh, defer it to the next meeting of Women With Opinions, which will be soon enough at the short month of every week. But uh, for the moment, I want to say a huge thank you to Kira Burke, Betty Clark and Karen Devine. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks, Thanks Jerry. Thank you. Friday afternoon, late lunch, LMFM radio and each week we always have a look ahead to the big sporting events of the weekend in the company of Leon Blanche, communications manager with Boyle Sports. Leon, welcome again. Good afternoon, Jerry. How are you? I'm very good. Thanks for joining me on the show. Let's begin with GAA and in Division 1. Meath losing in Tyrone last week. They have Donegal at home this weekend. They don't get any easier. No, look, they don't get any easier. Look, they were five points inferior to Tyrone last weekend in the opening game of the National Football League Division 1 but look it was a, it, it, was, it was a tricky game and they faced a Donegal side who probably let it slip against Mayo it's fair to say Mayo got a cracking goal I think it was an injury time to bring about that draw but Donegal will be hoping to make it a win away against Meath um, the odds suggest Donegal are going to do it they're 8-13 to 13. Meath are 15 to 8, and the draw here is 7 to 1. Look, most of these games, Jerry, are going to be very difficult for Meath. We've got to call it as we see it. And Donegal, I was surprised that they were that good last week. All the talk was that they were missing a lot of players. They wouldn't be as sharp, but they look quite sharp to me against Mayo. So, unfortunately, I think Donegal are going to come away with a victory away from home against Meath. 
Last week I so enjoyed the match on Saturday night between Kerry and Dublin. It was a cracker and the Dubs coming back with 14 men at the end to force the draw in a wonderful spectacle. Now this week they head west against Old Foes Mayo. Yeah, look, Jerry, I'm 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 exactly like you. I thought it was a fabulous game of football to kick off the league campaign. And Dublin, it looked as if the game was kind of running away from them. Uh, they had 14 men for the last normal 10 minutes and then 10 minutes of injury time. And, and yes, they were a point clear before David Clifford uh, struck the equaliser. So it was a good start for Dublin when you consider they were missing at least a half a dozen first-team starters. So the Dubs, the squad looks very strong. Mayo will be... Um, given a little bit of confidence from going up to Donegal and getting that point away from home. But Mayo are the underdogs at 9-4, to four, the Dubs are 1-2 to two, and the draw here is 15-2. to two. Look, I think it's going to be close again. Um, Mayo got home advantage, but you'd have to say I think many people were a little bit surprised at how good Dublin were, considering they're definitely not long back training with their new manager, Desi Farrell. But I think this is going to be a good game and it'll be a good test for Mayo to see exactly where they're at. The omens for the rest are ominous with the dubs, as you say, just back in training and performing so well. Now let's uh, go to Division 3, uh, where Loud have their first home game in Drogheda against Tipperary. Again for the other North East County, disappointment away last week, losing to Longford. Yeah, it was a disappointment. And I mean, I kind of fancied Loud. I thought they were going to beat Longford. They, they suffered a three-point defeat. Um, Tipperary were at home and they only managed to draw against Down. So, loud at home. Look, you'll be hoping that the Wee County can get their league campaign off to a winning start. I think it's, it's, it's imperative that you win your home matches. And this is a big chance for Loud, even though they are going in as the underdog. They're 6-4. to four. Tipperary are currently available at 8-11 to 11 and the draw here, there has been a little bit of money for the draw, it's gone from 7.5-1 to 1 into 6.5-1, to 13-2 but I'm going to stick with the Wee County they're back at home, 6-4 to four. let's get their league campaign as I said let's get a victory and um, get up and running in this very, very tricky division. It certainly is let's uh, move to soccer now in the Premier League and I have to ask you this question, Liverpool's march to the title is relentless, they won at West Ham during the week they have Southampton. Now, Southampton in good form at home and field this Saturday. Leon, there's a chance that this league could be clinched in March by the Reds. Are you going to pay out? Well, Jerry, look, I'm a Liverpool fan and I've been a long-suffering one and um, I've been having in-house arguments with our trading team not to pay out just yet because I've seen us let Leeds slip uh, before. But look, I think this season, I think to get 70 points from a possible 72 is a remarkable achievement. It would take one of the biggest collapse in the history of the sport for Liverpool not to win the Premier League. It looks as if the next four or five games are all quite easy and winnable. And look, we think Liverpool win will win the league, so just keep an eye on ball sports to see when we finally do pay out on them. This weekend, however, I think Spurs against Man City is undoubtedly the biggest game of the weekend. Um, Jose... They need to finish in the top four, and this is a this is a tricky encounter. But we did see City get beat by Manchester United at home. Yes, they're through to another League Cup final, but they missed a whole host of chances. And Raheem Sterling probably the main culprit. Spurs they've added a couple of players to their squad. They're nine to two, four and a half to one at home against Man City, who are one to two, and the draw here is a hundred and thirty. Unfortunately for Tottenham Hotspur fans, I think the best you can hope for is a share of the spoils. Leicester play Chelsea in the early kickoff tomorrow. 
Leicester got back uh, to winning ways, which they needed to. They were on a little bit of a mini slide. And both of these sides have aspirations, certainly, of finishing in the top four. Leicester 6-4, to four, Chelsea 17-10. to 10. And the draw here at thirteen to five. Leicester will be disappointed, Jerry, that they couldn't beat Aston Villa over two legs. That was a huge shock. I thought Leicester were going to definitely make the final to face Man City, but they didn't. So they're knocked out of that, but they want to finish in the top four, and that would be a fantastic season for Brendan Rodgers in his first full season in charge. And I think this game has the hallmarks of a cracker. I think both sides will score. And again, I'm going to sit on the fence and go for the draw. Interesting, interesting. Don't worry, Leon. Liverpool won't do a Devon lock, I can assure you of that at this stage. <laughs> <laughs> Let's finish off today by uh, considering what's going to happen in the Six Nations rugby. Disappointing World Cup from many perspectives, from the European side's point of view. England, yes, going to the final, but beaten by South Africa. They are favourites for the Six Nations, followed closely by France looking at what the punters are saying. But... Ireland, new era, Andy Farrell in charge at home against the Scots. They must be favourites. Yeah, look, they are favourites. Look, it's a new um, head coach. It's a new captain in Johnny Sexton. Um, Rob Kearney has been left out. I think Jordan Larmer is the man for Andy Farrell. I think Rob Kearney has been one of the best servants to Irish rugby that I can ever recall. Um, unfortunately for him, the manager is going with Jordan Lammer. I think Lammer does offer that little bit of pace and a little bit of unpredictability. Um, but I certainly don't think Rob Kearney's career is over. But Ireland, yes, they are favourites. They're 14 point favourites. And look, Jerry, we all remember the World Cup. It started so promisingly with a convincing victory over the Scots. And then it all seemed to go downhill from there. So look, I'd be saying Ireland will win. I'm hoping we can even cover that spread of 14 points. Scotland are notoriously bad travellers in rugby. They don't play good away from Murrayfield. So for me, I think we've got to go with Ireland to cover the spread, minus 14. It's a quarter to five tomorrow evening. I hope the Aviva Stadium is full. I hope there's a good atmosphere. It's a new era, uh, Jerry, and hopefully we can get this new era off to a very, very good start. I say here, here to that. Leon, thank you so much as usual. We'll see you again next Friday. All the best, Jerry. How many Oscars did the movie Titanic win at the 1998 Academy Awards, Louise? That was a tough one, Jerry. Eleven. Mm-hmm. Eleven, yeah. It won eleven. It was nominated for 14 and won eleven. Ben-Hur uh, had won eleven previously, and I think another movie as well, but it equaled the all-time record. So eleven was the answer we were looking for. A family pass to the Titanic uh, in Belfast, the most wonderful experience in the world is going to... Jenny Smith in Town. well done. Well done, Jenny, and thanks to everybody who entered. We have one more family pass to give away on late lunch, and we'll do that on Monday. Eddie Chute, the wonderful Eddie Chute, has been on to say, Jerry, I just want to say, listening to you this afternoon, so enjoyed the ladies. And to say from our point of view as a business in the town, Chutes Butchers, of course, that Drogheda has excellent talent and we and all the other business people do positivity, not negativity. It's a great town. Come and enjoy. Thanks indeed for that comment this afternoon, Eddie. Another one saying, uh, Jerry, yourself and your guests, the ladies, are bordering on saying something that a man couldn't say in saying that women, by staying at home, would benefit the whole community. Ask an accountant, but there are ways around tax individualisation. Take the tax, the second car, childcare, the two or three holidays taken to alleviate the stress on the whole family, and you wouldn't need an abacus to 
get the answer. Thanks indeed for that comment this afternoon to everybody who's been in touch with us. Are you sad today, Louise? No, I'm happy. She came in this morning and I nearly <laughs> fell off the chair. The door burst open and there was a woo! I said, she's won the lottery. She's won the Euro Millions. <laughs> No, we just made it through the whole 742 days in January. <laughs> it's been a long month. Oh. It has. I say that there, I was saying there long. earlier on, it has been one of the longest Januaries with the last payday on the very last because a lot of people have been paid, we know, before Christmas, mm. the bills coming in and money. I'd say all the cupboards are quite bare yeah. now. I'd say everyone has gone through as well the pockets in every coat. Looking for anything Ten that could anything. find. Yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, the good news is that tomorrow is the 1st of February and I'll say it again in my book, it is the 1st of spring. I'll be out putting the spuds, I have them sprouted already since December into the pots in the greenhouse, putting in me early peas there as well and I just feel like away we go here we go tomorrow the 1st of February is the first day of uh, the new gardening year for me anyway and it is the first day of spring now tomorrow is also Imbolog or St Bridget's Day it is and there's a tradition what tonight is it tonight yeah if you want to put out a scarf or a piece of cloth on a ditch and According to tradition, uh, St. Bridget passes it and blesses it. And then you can use it throughout the year for to cure headaches and sore throats. They are. Stick your scarves out on the, a bush or a little tree near you tonight and get mm. going with the old tradition. There was something I remembered as well from previous years in late lunch. Sure, I went and saw the crosses being made in the past and... Of course, Dolores Whelan and, and her people are wonderful supporters of Bridget. And there's a lot going on in North Loud around this day and tomorrow and the next few days as well with the festival. Uh, but I think if you had a Bridget's Cross in your house, you know, from previous years, I think mm-hmm. you can take it out tonight and burn it and something happens. You take it outside really? and set fire to it. Yeah, not bad for the environment. No, no. Maybe it should be burning things. Oh, come on. It's a little Bridget's Cross. It's a little <laughs> bit of rushes that have been weaved, weaved together and people get the new crosses this year and put them on over doors and that and round the house. It's a, a tradition as well. But you were saying earlier yeah, she's not a real that St Bridget is not... <gasps> Horror. She's not a real saint, apparently. You're after causing consternation mm-hmm. now. Neither is St Patrick. Around the world. Why? Well, um, oh, please, I stand corrected and anybody, please let me know. But I think years and years ago, Ireland had kind of, it was a Catholic church, but it kind of made its own decisions. Yeah. And then the Vatican came in and kind of, you know, told us what to Formalized do. Formalised. So St. Bridget and St. Patrick and all the others were never canonised. I see. So what you're saying, making the distinction between saints that have been canonised in the church by mm. Rome. Yeah. As distinct from our own church in Ireland saints as yeah. well. So we there only really have four there is a little distinction we will say to you there is a little distinction there anyway I think that's almost it is it on late lunch for the month of January and our Louise is so happy thanks to everybody who joined us this week our guests thanks to you our listeners for joining in and thanks to you Louise for being such a huge part of late lunch with me every single day anyway just for you Louise (laughs) (laughs) I don't know whether this will annoy you or make you happy yes today the light the light Uh, Sunset was at four minutes past five on the shortest day in the 21st of December. Today, it's eight minutes past four. We've nearly an hour of extra light. I actually noticed it. Ah, you will notice it, right. But we leave you with the wonderful pilot. Number one, it went to number one on the 26th of January, 1975. Stayed there for three weeks. It is January. See you Monday. It'll be February. 
The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. We want you to smile with the best deals on a new Renault or Dacia in 2020. You can now inquire at blackstonemotors.ie. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Manny's and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.